0: I want to begin with uh, two texts, so that you know what this is all about. First from Hebrews, Jesus Christ is the same, yesterday, today, and forever. And the second from a hymn, it's a verse of the hymn that we never sing, I'm not quite sure why that is. Change and decay in all around I see, O thou, who changes not, abide in me." Uh, back in the four five hundred BC, there was a Greek philosopher who was called Heraclitus, and Heraclitus is famous because he said that everything flows, that you can't stand in the same river twice, uh, changes all around us. And my point this morning is that there is change And there are also things that endure as well. 50 years ago on this actual day, I was ordained a deacon and then a year later a priest uh, by Bishop Vincent Gerard in Sheffield Cathedral in Yorkshire. During the 50 years that I've been ordained, I've seen a great many changes, some of them for the better and some for the worse you make up your own mind which is which. Changes that took place in the United Kingdom uh, were oftentimes paralleled by changes that were happening in the Episcopal Church in the United States. So I want to take this opportunity to look and see uh, where we came from and where we are going from here. 50 years ago, for example, we would never have dreamed that we would be meeting online via Zoom on a Sunday morning. Uh, My first encounter with a computer was not auspicious. I was writing my thesis in the early 80s and I successfully deleted uh, everything that I had written. Back 50 years ago, the priest was the church. He took the services, and he did the talking. But then along came the liturgical movement, a revolutionizing worship. On a Sunday morning uh, at my parish, there was the Eucharist, or communion as we called it, at 8 o'clock, a congregation mostly comprised of women, and we used the 1662 service and here you use the 1928 service. The congregation didn't have much to say and there was no sermon. So on a good day, I could be home in time for breakfast at 8.30. Celebrant, back in those days, and I believe it was also true in the Church of the Incarnation, Celebrant faced the back wall, the faced east uh, with his back to the congregation. And some priests were audible, and some were not. And then the priest would turn uh, to face the congregation for the readings, which he read. There were no lay Eucharistic ministers in those days. And uh, we read the epistle from the epistle side of the altar. And then we put the book back in the rack and moved the rack across. And then we did the gospel from the gospel side of the altar Why we did this, I haven't got a clue. It was, uh, the communion was only distributed by uh, the clergy back in those days. And it was a radical move in my parish to invite Eric, who was an elderly parishioner, to come and assist with the distribution of the elements. On the second and fourth Sundays of the month, we sang morning prayer with the choir and the good old Anglican chants for the psalm and the canticles. Attendance at morning prayer was better than the attendance at the Eucharist because the service was shorter. And then in 1973, we in the UK got series three and we started addressing the Almighty in everyday speech, uh, you and yours rather than thee and thou. And then in the evening at 6.30, we returned to the church for Evensong every week and a second sermon had to be written, which I wrote uh, during Sunday afternoon when I had nothing better to do. At my parish, attendance was about 20 at eight, 70 at 10 and about 30 for Evensong at 6.30. And we also had five or six Sunday school classes, and the average age of the congregation, uh, of every congregation, I would guess, and incarnation the same, was much less, much lower than it is nowadays. Back in those days, uh, once a month we would have the scouts and the girl scouts, whom we call girl guides, all came for a parade service and they would double the size of the congregation. In the United States, you had the so-called proposed prayer book in 1970 with a green cover. And then in 1973, you had the zebra book with stripes on the cover. And then you got the new prayer book in 1979. And then followed uh, supplemental liturgical texts which have continued Uh, year after year, so-called enriching our worship. Many people have had difficulty with changes in the services, uh, changes from what they knew and loved. And so I discovered that at the General Convention in the year 2000, the Episcopal Church apologized to those who were so offended or alienated during the time Of liturgical transition. My official title when I was ordained was assistant curate and my boss was a great man called Arthur the vicar and he encouraged me to do extracurricular activities like getting married to Angela or getting involved in local radio or organizing a 30-mile Christian aid walk to raise money which we did at night. Uh, We lost a couple of kids, but they turned up later on in the day. And I took a group of younger kids, well, older kids, teenagers, to Téze in France uh, for a trip. And then Angela and I organized a pet show in the parking lot at our youth center, and it rained cats and dogs. There were more seminaries back in those days and more seminarians. Uh, Seminaries have closed. Uh, Students coming out of seminary back then were mostly under 30, like I was. Uh, Nowadays, they're mostly over 40. There was money back then for vicars to recruit assistants and to train them to work in parishes. And nowadays in this diocese, Uh, I believe that there are only two or three parishes that actually have a paid assistant. I would guess, uh, uh, estimate, uh, that about a quarter of the people at my seminary were gay. But of course, um, uh, they had not yet come out of the closet. And some of them were absolutely outstanding priests in the church and it cannot have been easy for them. Nowadays, in liberal dioceses, like the dioceses that I've served in, um, being gay is not an impediment to being ordained. The number of priests in the Church of England and in the Episcopal Church has declined overall, and of necessity, you, the laity, have picked up the slack as parish administrators, as Christian educators, as lay ministers, as lay preachers, as lay visitors, or just being able to work a computer. Back then, of course, there were no women priests, uh, but the number of men declined and the fact of having women priests has made a huge difference. We went to Hong Kong in 1974 which was the first place in the Anglican Communion to ordained women, uh, Joyce and Jane, who were good friends. In the United States, the Philadelphia 11, I wonder if you know this history or whether this is you hearing it for the first time. Uh, in 1974, the Philadelphia 11 were ordained um, and they were, what is it? They were not exactly legal because uh, General Convention had not approved the ordination of women, but they were ratified in 1976. In 1994, the first 32 women were ordained in, as priests in the Church of England. And by 2004, in the UK, uh, one in five of priests of the Church were women. On the whole, Uh, The United Kingdom has lagged about 10 years behind the United States, and the rest of the country has lagged about 10 years behind the state of California. In 1970, inclusive language had not yet been invented. The word man referred both to men and women. The church was called a brotherhood. The Trinity was the... uh, Creator, Redeemer, and Sanctifier, rather than Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Sons uh, in the uh, Bible have since become children. I think we read the King James Version in our church back then, uh, parts of which, particularly the epistles, were incomprehensible to me, and I would guess to most of the congregation, and biblical scholarship has moved on. In England, we had a really good uh, version of the Bible called the New English Bible, which I think that you never had, uh, sadly. Uh, The NRSV, the New Revised Standard Version, was not published until 1989. Political correctness had not been invented till about 1970, and in the UK, of course, years later in 1975 and in time there was and still is a backlash particularly among conservatives. It was not until 2002 that women who had, oh people, uh, women and men who had been divorced could legally marry within the church before that time. They would go down to the registry office and get married and then they would come back to the church and we'd do a blessing which was pretty much the same as a service they would have had if they'd been able to get married in the church in the first place. There are fewer of us in the church nowadays, but I believe that we are more committed. But we are getting older, and a third of all Episcopalians are over 65. But my experience is that we are more faithful, we are more devout, Uh, than people were back in the old days. And the amount that we give to the church has grown exponentially from those times. I believe that people nowadays are more generous with their time. I think we have become more broad-minded in the past 50 years, so I am optimistic. Our new prayer book includes baptismal covenant which is a gift to the church and we repeat it uh, several times during the course of the year and hopefully it shapes the values by which we live we promise to seek and serve christ in all persons and to strive for justice and peace respecting the dignity of every human being to which i hope we will all respond respond we will With God's help, amen.